Well, hey friends, welcome to church today in our garage. It's JF and Ashley, and we're so glad that you're joining us for church, mm-hmm. you know, in a messy garage. I don't, I don't know if you're like us, but we've got, we've got a garage and most of the time it tends to be pretty messy. A lot like seasons of our life. And as a follower of Jesus, you know, there's going to be times where we walk through valleys. We walk through times that are hard, times that either we contributed to, you know, the mess or someone participated in bringing it our way. So maybe you can relate to that today. I I know right now as a family, we've kind of found ourselves in the middle of a mess and so maybe you can relate to us today. So we, we just want to welcome you as yeah. we continue this series today in the middle of the mess. And you know, there's this anchor verse, yeah. really a theme verse that we've really looked to, uh, to hold down what we've been talking about for the last several mm-hmm. weeks. And it comes from Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. This is what the scripture says. It says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And like we said all the other weeks, we love the result of that verse. We, we, we love that God's willing to do that for us, but none of us want to actually have to walk through some of that stuff. Nope. We just kind of want like the miracles without the messes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, that's what I would choose if, if I had a choice. Yeah. Right. But we are, we're looking at Joseph's life and the idea there is we're looking through all the various messes that he personally walked through yeah. to get to that anchor verse. Right. right. And so we, last week we talked about the waiting. We talked about what that feels like because we've been in a bit of a waiting period in this mess that we're in as well. And looking back, Joseph's messes seem to compound Mm -hmm. and get bigger and bigger. So initially we talked about the idea that his brothers hated him because of the favor of God that was on his life. And that was its own mess. And then it rolled into the mess where his brothers toss him into a pit and then they sell him into slavery. And then upon that, as a slave, he ends up being wrongfully accused. And then he ends up in prison. I'm telling you, this dude's got messes. (laughs) And then on top of that, in prison, he's ministering as a prisoner. And then he's forgotten by the dude he was even ministering to. Right, right. And how so many can relate to that as well. But in that, in the two years that we talked about last week of waiting mm-hmm. in prison, there was very specific development that was taking place, I believe, in Joseph's life. And we want to look at that today to get some lessons of our own. And sometimes if you're like me, friend, I can really get to a place where I resent those seasons, those dark seasons of development. I can resent them if I don't understand that they are for my benefit. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a spiritual principle that we don't always apply in spiritual ways, but we do tend to understand it better in the physical. Let me give you an example. We understand that as women, when we are bearing children, we understand how important that hidden development is right it's in a hidden place it's dark it's something we don't necessarily understand we we comprehend and we fathom that that baby needs to develop before it's exposed to the elements right 
We understand that if a baby is brought out of that developmental process too early, the baby has less of a chance of surviving. But what if, what if we translate that over into our spiritual lives? What if we begin to understand that those dark seasons of development really are for our benefit? And if we start looking back in that way and recognizing even developmental markers, you know, we have the beauty of a sonogram now, right? And we have 3D imaging and we can see developmental markers of those dark times. Mm -hmm. But what if we make sure that that also translates into our spiritual lives and looking for developmental markers in those seasons of development. And I got to say, when we walked out here to film, I thought about that door and how it kind of represents them. So think about this door over here. It's one of these doors that you have if you've got little kids and as they grow, you put their head up against the back of it and, and you mark them off and you can see over three, six, nine, 12 months, you can see their growth. And my daughter Israel, she's nine. And it's just crazy. Maybe you're a parent and you know exactly what I'm talking about. These kids grow so fast. And, and just a couple of weeks ago, I remember Izzy walked into our room and I was like, Izzy, you are so much bigger. You're growing. And I'll never forget what she said. She said, Dad, I'm not growing very fast, though. And I said, are you kidding me? You are growing so fast. In fact, I grabbed her hand and we ran down to the garage because I wanted to show her just how fast she really had grown. I wanted to show her where she used to be and where she is today, who she was at this age, but now where she's at, the growth. And I think it's so important that we even do this in our spiritual lives from time to time, where we look back to where we were and where the Lord has brought each and every one of us and what we used to be and what we are now, how maybe we would have reacted, Mm -hmm. but now because the Lord's brought us this far, our reactions look totally different. And if we go to this story of Joseph, here he is, he's in prison. He's been there for some time, and the scripture says this in Genesis chapter 41, starting in verse one. It says, when two full years had passed, now that's an additional two years on the two years that he had already been there. It says, Pharaoh had a dream. And, and he has two very specific dreams. So for sake of time, uh, I don't want to explain those dreams right now. I will right after we read this passage of scripture. But Genesis 41, now jump down to verse 8. It says, in the morning, his mind was troubled. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh, Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief, uh, chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Meaning, oh man, I totally spaced, I totally forgot. Verse 10 says, Pharaoh was once angry with his servants and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night. 
and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. So so Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. From the dungeon. Yeah, dun dun dun. dun, dun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. So last week we talked about the wealth in the waiting. Just how much we can really glean from those times of waiting. And this week we're going to go into a little more specificity. We're going to look a little closer at the specific types of development that come from those dark places. So if you're taking notes, the title of this week's message is The Development in the Dungeons. Mm -hmm. In those dark places, what might God be growing in your life? And really recognizing specific areas of growth that we, we really believe we can see in Joseph's life as well. So Genesis 41 is where we're going to pick up in verse 14. Scripture says, so Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. The first area of development that we want to talk about today is going to seem a little simple, maybe a little too practical and a no brainer, but sometimes it's one of the hardest Mm -hmm. to execute. Number one apprehension and advancing apprehension and advancing apprehension meaning fear right this idea of being scared of something well how does that relate to joseph well what we might not understand is the context of that day and how much power a pharaoh would have in that sort of setting The idea being, as Pharaoh would call people before him, and if they didn't give him the type of report that he wanted or one that was pleasing to him, they often were either imprisoned, like remember Joseph was before for being falsely accused, or executed. So I think about how fearful. Mm -hmm. Just that moment of, I'm being called before Pharaoh, and, 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 there's a dream that needs to be interpreted like what if i miss god what's gonna happen is this gonna mean that this is my last day on earth like what's gonna happen here and i think about all the fear that was likely involved in that and i think about how often we don't really talk about this idea of advancing in in spite of your apprehensions Mm -hmm. We talk about, um, as leaders, we don't talk about fear enough. I had a lady a a week or so ago, I was on the phone with her and she made a comment. She said, oh, but Pastor Ashley, you're fearless. And I thought, what a joke. (laughs) Like, friend, are you kidding me? I am the opposite of fearless. I wrestle with fear all the time. So, so do I, yeah. I, Constantly. And I feel like, you know, she even said in that moment, she said, well, wait, you deal with fear? Well, well what do you do? And I said, I advance anyway. Mm-hmm. I do it anyway. 
I mean, we've actually been told that we shouldn't be preaching the gospel from our garage. Hello, I've been told multiple times as a woman, I shouldn't be preaching the gospel right. at all. And there are things that bring fear into your life. Some logical, some not so much. In fact, most kind of aren't. And the reality is we just keep advancing in spite of. It's not denying the fear. The fear is really real. It's not pretending that it doesn't exist, but it's doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. I think about uh, 2 Timothy, mm -hmm. starting in uh, chapter 1, verse <coughs> 7. This is, this is something that I think we quote a lot, but we don't think about in terms of just the practicality of it all. And scripture says, this is the New Living Translation, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but power and love and self-discipline. Now I want to think about that for a second, because when we read, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, I've often had it quoted to me in the sense of, so, so you're not really dealing with fear, it's pretend. It's like, no, no, no. Just because God didn't give it to me doesn't mean that I'm not experiencing it. That's right. It's just a recognition of, hey, this is not from him. Right. But I love that the other part of that verse actually counters. It's yeah. exactly what God gives us to defeat that fear in our lives. And it says, but he gives us power. So the idea that God is so much more powerful and we can access his power. He gives us love. His perfect love, where we sometimes fear creeps in because we know we're not enough. Yes, so does He, but He loves us perfectly in that. And this third one is so important, self-discipline. Some translations say a sound mind, but really that means a resolute mind. Why would He say self-discipline? Because the reality is that it is a choice, friends. It's a choice to advance even in spite of your apprehension. That's good. It's a conscious choice that I have to make. And I wrote this down in my notes because there's so many, especially even right now in the middle of this mess, there's so many feelings. There's so many emotions. We're dealing with irrational fear and all kinds of chaos around us. And yet, I wrote in my notes, I refuse to let my feelings rob me of my calling. Mm. At the end of the day, my feelings are so real, mm -hmm. as are yours. The fear is real, but we have to recognize that it's not from the Lord, and we have the choice of whether it will rob us from advancing. I think the famous quote is that courage is never the absence of fear, but acting in spite of it. And I love that, and you know, Feelings come from God. Emotions come from Him, right? Sure, sure. But they don't have to control us to the point mm -hmm. that it defines the next decision we're about to make. And yeah. I'm even reminded, to your point, what the psalmist said in Psalm 50, 56, verse 3. This is what it says. It says, when, someone shout when, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Not if, not if I am afraid, but when. Mm -hmm. I'm choosing to trust you, God, even when my emotions and my feelings don't want to follow. And so we see this in this narrative here with, with Joseph. And, and, and we see him. We've talked about it last week where he places all of his trust and his hope mm -hmm. and confidence 
in God. But look, look what the scripture says. Let's go back to the text. Genesis 41, starting in verse 15. Scripture says, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Now, I love this response. Verse 16. (laughs) I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. I I love Joseph. He, He was that kind of a guy that... He had the same confidence in God in doing ministry, whether he was in the prison or whether he was in the palace. No matter who was standing in front of him, he was on assignment and he approached it with the same amount of, of intentionality and discernment that he would no matter what. So he proceeds to tell him the dreams. Let's go to the text, verse 17. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, in my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile. When out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They, they looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dreams, I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. And so what happens? God reveals the dreams to Joseph. And essentially what he shows Joseph is the seven good cows and the seven good heads of grain represented seven years of abundance and prosperity that Egypt was about to walk into. The scrawny other seven uh, uh, cows and the the scorched heads of grain, that represented a, a, a grouping of another seven years after the first seven years that would be a time of famine. Right. And so God reveals this to Joseph, but he doesn't just stop right there. He actually gives Joseph the plan to get through it all. He tells Joseph during that first seven years of prosperity, make sure that you're storing away food, collecting food so that in the following seven years, you'll have enough. And scripture says that this answer is pretty good for Pharaoh. Pharaoh's like, Okay, now look what it says. Verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there's no one so discerning and wise as you can you imagine coming right out of the prison. And that's what, that's what the, the leader, the head of the state says to you. You're just like, your mind's probably boggled. Verse 40. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. And I can back to that thought like, here's Joseph. He's been in prison for so long. He comes out. Pharaoh's saying, you're the guy now. And I can only imagine like, if it was me, I'd be like, you know what? I'm good. I think I'm just going to go back because I've I've already been through this. This is probably going to go bad for me. But you know what? He, He does what God told him to do. Yeah. And he was obedient. 
and he moves into this position. He just keeps, to your point, he just keeps moving forward. Was he scared? Probably, but he still did it. Look, verse 41. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. What? Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And this was the sign of authority, meaning whatever Joseph spoke had the king's seal and approval on it, and he represented the king. So, and that's our next area of development we want to talk about today. So the first one, if you're taking notes, hopefully you wrote it down, apprehension and advancing. Secondly, authority and agreeing. Yeah, it's so important for us to understand that God can position us in places. He can um, have us walk through things and all of this development. But at the end of the day, he gives us free will. That's right. And we always have the choice of agreeing with what God's shown us and aligning ourselves with him or not. And I think about... I think about Joseph and in that moment here's again Pharaoh the dude who's saying hey now you're literally second in command over everything from the dungeon to that place but I also have to think of what's going through Joseph's head I I know what would go through mine I, I would say oh man I I was how can I lead this whole country? I was just in your prison. Yeah. Like I was literally just in the dungeon. How can, how can I lead this country? I, I'm maybe not even from this area. I don't have family or a support system built here. I'm just thinking about everything totally. that I would be giving as excuses. And yet God has fashioned Joseph in a way. And I think through that dungeon process yeah. that he understands not only the authority that God is placing him in, but what's required of him in terms of agreeing with that authority. So I I think it's really important for us to understand too, we throw that word authority around in the church, right? I mean, and you know how I feel about churchy language. You know, there are phrases that we use that sometimes I just want to be like, do you even know what that means? Right. Because right. I don't know what that means, and you just said it to me, and that feels weird. And there's one phrase that kept coming to mind uh, this week as we were studying, and it's the phrase, "The promises of God are yes and amen." Okay, what does that even mean? I mean, does anybody ever think that too? It's, it sounds you're like, so good. Oh, it sounds amazing. <laughs> I mean, you know, yes, yes and amen, and you're like, okay, I. I Agree, yeah. but uh, so, you know, there's so many faces of every verse and right. we talk about that all the time, but I want to look at the passage that that comes from, because I feel like there is an element, there's a face that the Lord really, truly wants to speak to us um, today concerning development and what this looks like. Let's look at second Corinthians starting in chapter one. Let's look at verse 19. Uh, scripture says, for Jesus Christ, the son of God does not waver between yes and no. I want to stop there. What he's saying is he's not a God that's emotional, that changes his mind based on a whim, right? right? He's a man of his word. We sing about that sometimes. 
Let's continue. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preached to you. And as God's ultimate yes, meaning Jesus is God's going, yes, that is exactly everything I feel, everything I am. He always does what he says. Verse 20, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, circle that word amen, which means yes, right? Which means I agree, ascends to God for his glory. Okay, I want to talk about that for a second. Because there are times where God has given us very specific promises and the Lord through Jesus has made a way for us to walk into those promises, but we are still required to agree with them. We are still required to bring our own actions, our own thoughts, our own words into alignment with what God is saying. So don't, I know this is heavy, don't miss this. Scripture is saying that our amen, meaning our agree, like, yes, Lord, we will agree with you. Our amen is what allows that glory, meaning who God is, to be revealed in our lives in that way. We have a choice. We have a decision to come into agreement with this. Jesus said it like this. Let's look at Matthew 16. Jesus said it like this, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Meaning you are praying for heaven. Guess who holds the keys? You do. You get to be the one to choose how much of heaven is brought to earth here and now. And he continues, whatever you bind on earth will be, and I put in parentheses there, will have been, because that's what, if you look, the language is notated there, bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Okay, I've seen this used so often in this like hyper spiritual language, and I'm not against that, but let's don't forget that what Jesus himself is talking about right now is that you hold the keys. Like, I've already, God the Father's promised it to you. Jesus says, I've made a way, and now you hold the keys mm. of whether your neighborhood looks more like heaven this week. Mm. You get to hold those keys. You get to decide what you walk into or what you restrict yourself from. I'll take it a step further. A few weeks ago, we, we've been having issues with our car with my car battery (laughs) really i just needed a new battery right but i I had one of those mornings where i needed to be somewhere and i go to crank the car and it is not happening and i stop and i'm like real spiritual in that one moment you know and i'm like lord i just ask right now (laughs) start the car you've been there come on you pray for that parking space too same thing lord just bring your i need you to start this car right now lord and our friends had let us borrow one of those uh plug-in charger for the batteries and so i I prayed over the car i walked inside i attached the charger and and i go inside and i wait a good 30 minutes like i'm already kind of late for for what i need to be at and (laughs) i'm like getting frustrated get frustrated and so i go to crank the car and after 30 minutes and i did it right just in case y'all are wondering I, i did it right i know how to jump a car and i literally walk out and go to crank it and the thing's like and i went you stupid car battery. And I said that, oh, forgive me for 
No, I literally, you stupid car battery. In that moment, because I'd been studying this passage, the Lord said, now you just asked me to bless something that you just cursed. And I paused. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Lord, how often do we do that? Lord, give me a better marriage. Oh, you stupid. Wait, you asked me to bless something, but you're not agreeing with that. You're cursing in that moment. Maybe it's your job. Maybe you, Lord, I, I want this job. To, I want a promotion in this job. And then you go and you complain about the assignment that you've given. I, I just keep, I wonder how often our lack of agreeing mm-hmm. with what God's already promised becomes our issue. And then we aren't able to walk into the authority that he's already provided. And the problem, I have to be honest, I feel like comes from leaders in the church because we want to preach about God's promises all the time, but we don't want to preach about the process. Mm -hmm. We don't want to preach about how difficult it is walking through the process to get to a place where we can really be in agreement with the authority that God's provided. I love that. And, and that word agree, agreement is all throughout scripture and, and the power, the power of two mm-hmm. agreeing, meaning your prayers are that much stronger if you can get with somebody else. And I just, so I just love that point, the authority and agreeing. So, so, so the first point, apprehension and advancing the second authority and agreeing. Here's a third, third thought as we come to this, uh, the conclusion here, and that is pain and permanence. Pain and permanence. Um, I can remember years back, uh, Izzy had, you know, had the flu. You got parents out there, you know how that goes. And I can remember us waking up in the middle of the night and, you know, throwing up the whole thing. And there was this one moment, like I, I can visualize it. And there's Izzy and she's hanging over the toilet bowl and you're holding her hair back and she's crying and it's, you know, you know, you know the whole thing and, and it broke our hearts. And there was this, there was this moment, there was this moment where she, I'll never forget, she turned back and she looked at you with tears in her eyes and she said, mom, is it always going to be this way? Like, am I, is this the way life is going to be? Am I just going to be throwing up forever? I, I, maybe, have you ever been that sick, by the way? Like, you're like, is it, is it always going to be, is it always going to be this way? And sometimes we have to remind ourselves that pain isn't meant to be permanent. But here's what's so interesting. So often we can become so accustomed to the pain right. that we begin to actually identify with it. Yeah. Wow. The, the, like the pain starts to feel like it's the only thing that we have. We put all of our attention on the pain. The, the pain is what dictates what we're gonna do today, right? So often we just camp out there when really it's just meant to be a season. So often we look at it and we say, this is the way it's always gonna be, mm-hmm. but not according to the scriptures. And so I want to share with you this passage today to encourage you. If, you. if you're in a place where you feel like the pain that you're in right now is permanent, it'll never go away, look what the scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. It says this, and the, great, and the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, not forever, right. 
Scripture says, after you suffered a little while, good. will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And we see that, we, we, we see that Joseph not, not only understood this principle, principle, he actively lived it out. He walked it out. He understood that the pain was never for forever. It wasn't permanent. Right, and I think that he really, truly had to place his eyes on something else exactly. yeah. at some point, mm-hmm. right? Look at Genesis 41 in verse 50, starting there. Scripture says, before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Azanath, daughter of this is so hard. Daughter of Potiphera. Nailed it. Thank you. I practiced that a couple times. The priest of On. <laughs> That's what Google's for. Uh, Joseph named. Here's, here's the point that I don't want you to miss. Joseph made a choice. And he named his firstborn Manasseh. Mm. And said, it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. So the first part of the fruit, the personal fruit that was born out of that season, he named Manasseh, which means a conscious forgetting, right? Not dwelling on this, but dwelling on this. And look at the second, verse 52. The second son he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Friends, that is a lesson for us today. Part of really beginning to comprehend that the pain that we may be feeling in this season or a certain season is not permanent, is really getting our eyes off of the painful process and onto what God wants to bring about. That's really good. What God wants to birth. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I gotta go back to that really practical example of childbirth. Mm -hmm. We talked about the developmental process, but I think about when we lived in Los Angeles and and I was having contractions. You know, Izzy was our first baby uh, to be born. And so we uh, are driving to the hospital and I'm terrified, but we're going anyway. Why? Because my eyes are on what will result mm-hmm. from that process. And I'm scared. I'd never had a baby before. And we get there and I'm, you know, with the dude that hates all things medical. So he's already <laughs> in a zone where he's like, hospital, hospital, this, <laughs> this is it's gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> Kill the, me. the whole deal. And then the doctor tells us yeah. that she hasn't dropped. And I've been in labor already for eight hours. And that now not only is her life in danger, but my life is in danger. And we have to begin to understand that we're about to walk into an emergency C-section. Now, I never had a C-section before. I didn't even know what all it entailed. What did I know? I knew that at the end of the C-section, the prayer, right, the hope is that I get to hold that baby in my arms. And I gotta tell you, I know that, you know, it's maybe not popular to talk about, but C-sections can be brutal. 
to the point where you stayed on this side of the curtain with me. You're like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to see any part of that. I no, did. no, 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 no. But I thought about how, you know, looking back and having researched them after the fact, realizing that there were parts of my insides on the table, right? Like there's a, a slicing open of my midsection. I know that's really gross, but the, the gruesome details of what we had to walk through, the pain of that process, friend, I, that's not even something I was thinking about because my mind so good, yeah. was on what the result would be. And you know what I do remember about that day? I remember holding Israel for the first time. I remember the beauty of that moment. I don't remember the pain of that process. But then as I was preparing this week, the Lord even brought me to a place of, and what if I had made a choice? Like you said, so many of us identify, we become this person that identifies more with the pain to the point where it's almost like our comfort. Mm -hmm. And we get to a place where we don't even want to advance out of the pain. We want to make it permanent yeah. because that's what we're comfortable with. And I thought about what it would look like if I had said, no, 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 I'm going to demand to stay on this table. Well, that was never part of what the process was ever supposed to look like. What if Joseph had said, no, 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 I'm staying in this dungeon. Yeah, I know it's dark and it's gross and it's not where God's called me, but I've gotten to a place where I'm pretty comfortable with it. Maybe I'll just stay here. And sometimes we make that conscious choice to stay in the pain when the Lord is providing a way out. And so I want to encourage you today. He is a God of redemption. He is a God of redemption. If you are in the middle of the pain right now, that literally just means God is not finished. He is not finished. And the pain, I, I've been there, friends. I've been in a place where I thought, Lord, if it's going to feel like this for the rest of my life, take me home now. I have been there. But if you can grasp the fact that the pain is not permanent and God has a process for you and he desires more for you, he's a God of redemption that can redeem that too. I love that. And, you know, as, as you were talking right there, you know, the idea that, that there's a development process in the dungeon, mm -hmm. well, we can only really begin to accept that when we're willing to humble ourselves, right? Right? Like we have to be willing to say, Lord, I don't, I don't have it all figured out. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm humbling myself. I don't understand why I'm here necessarily, but I'm gonna give it over to you and, and, you're, and you're teaching me something yeah. through, through this process, this development process, even in a dungeon. Yeah. So wherever you are today, that first thought as we wrap up here, apprehension and advancing. Look, we're human. We all experience fear. There's, you're not a bad person if you're dealing with fear today. I deal with it. I, I actually have a, a, a history of anxiety that, that I have to uh, you know, deal with on a regular basis. And so I'm with you. I, I, feel, I feel that. But even in the middle of fear, I love that. Do it anyway. Yeah. Like advance. Joseph in that prison, he could have stayed where he was. Mm -hmm. He could have said, no, Pharaoh, I'm, I'm good here. But he advanced in the middle of his fear of authority and agreeing that second thought. Jesus has 
given us his authority to be his hands and his feet to do what he's called us to do. But it's so important that we are in total agreement with what he has for us. And that last thought that we just sat on for a minute, that pain and permanence. We want you to know that's not God's plan for pain to be permanent in your life. We have to trust what God's word says that just for a little while, and in the middle of that little while, we are developing as as uncomfortable as it is, as much as we try to resist, it's making us stronger. It's making us so much stronger. We we just wanna take a minute and pray for you today, wherever you're at. We want this word to really take root in your heart today. so wherever you're at, maybe you're, you're sitting in your man cave. I like to use that, that picture all the time because I got one. I hang out there a lot. Maybe what you're sitting around a breakfast table with your loved ones. Maybe you're alone and you feel like you're completely isolated. I want you to know that we are connected with you through this virtual platform, but not just, not just technology. The Holy Spirit has a way of doing things, connecting us together. And so we're going to pray together. I just want to hold your hand, love, and, and wherever you're at, maybe you want to reach over and grab one of your loved one's hands or throw your arm around your spouse or, or your kiddos. We want to pray for you today, wherever you're at. So Lord, we come to you. God, we thank you for your word. We, we thank you for your servant, Joseph. We've learned so much from his story the last several weeks. So Lord God, we just take a minute and we thank you that even in the dungeons of life, yes. even in the pain, even when there doesn't seem to be a way out, not only are you with us, but you're developing us. You're making us stronger so that on the other side, not only are we stronger, but we are reminded that it's because of you, that you are with us and you are growing us through that process. So Lord, right now, I pray for my friend who's dealing with fear. I pray for my friend who knows what she's called to do, but fear is holding her back. Apprehension. Lord God, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, give her the boldness to advance. Whatever, for her own personal context, whatever that means. Maybe it's it's in her career. Maybe it's some decision she has to make. Maybe it's it's a family-related issue. God, I just pray you give her strength today, Lord Jesus. I pray Lord God, that the person that's listening right now that's dealing with identity, Lord, that, that they love you, but, but they don't fully understand that the authority that, you, that you've given them is for them to do what you call them to do. God, I pray that you would just let it be known today, Lord God, and they would be in agreement with what you're saying. Lord God, I pray for my brother who's dealing with pain. It's gotten so, uh, he, he's, he's grown so accustomed to that pain. He identifies with it now. In fact, he, it, there's fear to be even removing himself from the from the pain god i pray that you would set him free right now lord jesus that he would be reminded that the pain isn't permanent that in the middle of the pain he's growing give him strength today in jesus name and i wonder right now if there's someone watching you just say brother would you pray for me i want to give my life to christ just do just like that lord jesus come into my life god i pray you make me a new man a new woman i repent of my sins god i give you my life I pray that you would direct me, heal me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. 
Hey friends, as always, we have questions for you. And so the idea is that hopefully you're gathering in community, whether it's virtually or in person, to discuss, not only to watch the teachings, but to discuss these after. So get your phones ready, you can just take a screenshot, or you can take a picture if you're watching via TV. And let's dive right in. Question number one. Do you have a memory of being scared of something you knew you were supposed to do, but doing it anyway? What were your feelings after you were obedient? How does that shape the way you now view fear, right? What if we acted in spite of feeling all that fear? And if you have a memory of that, maybe recall that and list that out. Number two, what are a few promises or assignments that you know that God has given you? Do your actions and words agree with what he has said? What are a couple ways to help keep yourself accountable to staying in agreement with the Lord? Really starting to just recognize what God's told you, what he's called you to do, and then also holding yourself accountable to actually being in alignment with that. Number three, have there been times in your life when you thought the pain would never go away? What does it mean to you that pain isn't meant to be permanent in your life? What are a couple of habits you can put into place to help remind yourself of this? This last one is so important. I think so often we forget to talk about how pain really is a part of the process and that can change how we view this entire journey. Friends, we're excited to have you with us, not only today, but every single week following. We want to make sure that you stay updated. So go to wilkerson.network, stay connected. Also, we'll be listing some of the small groups, in-person gatherings and also Zoom gatherings for you to be able to connect. So be watching for that in the next week. We love you all. Submit your prayer requests there. We are always praying and we are with you. 